0: Hi, folks. Uh, How are you? Hope this finds you well. Edith Bowman here. Um, You probably, well, maybe you didn't, but uh, it's me. Uh, Thank you for listening to Soundtracking with me, Edith Bowman, my weekly podcast where I talk about film and music and TV and uh, have a lovely conversation with people about those worlds. When you join me? It is Friday morning, the 11th of March. And last night I had the absolute pleasure of hosting a very special Q&A after a screening, a preview screening of Craig Roberts' new film. It's called Phantom of the Open. It's directed by the hilarious and brilliant Simon Farnaby, who a lot of you will know from many things. Horrible History has been one of them, Paddington as well. And it's this true story based on this real person Um, who's called Morris Flitcroft and he was a he worked in a as a crane operator in a shipyard in Barrow and Furnace in the 70s and he managed to get himself a place in the Open Golf Championships having never played a round of golf. Morris is played by none other than Mark Rylands and if you are a regular listener to the show, um, you'll have heard me talk about Craig a, a number of times. He last appeared on the show, episode 214, back in November 2020, talking about his uh, the last film that he made, Eternal Beauty. There was a, uh, based on a relative of his, played by the brilliant Sally Hawkins. Um, Craig is brilliant. This new film, Phantom of the Open, is only his third film that he's directed. And I'm so excited about his journey as a filmmaker, um I'm just really excited about where he goes. He's going to be our guest in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to chat to him this coming week, along with his composer for Phantom of the Open, Isabel Wallerbridge. So we've got them together. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. But I wanted to talk to you about it very quickly before this week's episode for two reasons. One is that it is going to be in cinemas a week today. So uh, the 18th of March, uh, Phantom of the Open is out. It's not about golf. Obviously, golf features in it, but don't be put off by going, oh, I hate golf. Golf is not really an important factor here. Um, It's just a backdrop um, and a colour wash of the film. But um, go and see it because it's so brilliant on so many levels. Mark Rylance will melt your heart. He is so great in this. And I was so blown away last night because the Q&A was only supposed to be with Simon and Craig and We were very lucky that Mark came along to support the film and was more than happy to get involved in the Q&A. And it's the first time that I've had the chance to interview him. And he was everything that you want him to be. What a legend. Oh, what a man. So, Craig is going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. And... He has a big connection with this week's guest because he is a huge fan of this person. Uh, So much so that last night I couldn't wait to show off my picture of myself with this week's guest. And he was like, no way! So yeah, because I can't believe that. I mean, I can't believe the run of guests that we've had recently actually on Soundtrack and it's pretty crazy. I'm so lucky with the guests that agreed to come and give us their time on the show. Um, And the last couple of weeks has been bonkers. Andrew Garfield, Dave Grohl, Johnny Greenwood. Been quite insane. But when it comes to Marian music and film, PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson is, I think, right up there with the likes of Scorsese and Tarantino as a master of the art. His latest movie, Licorice Pizza, is not only a delight to behold but also chock full of needle drops, including this one, Peace Frog by the Doors. And I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I spoke to Mr. Johnny Greenwood last week.
1: What nonsense was he spouting out? Let's hear this.
0: Well, I mean, one of my main come away from speaking to Johnny was meeting um, Stephen Bennett, who is his cello that he used, uh, which he used for, um, not your film. Power of the Dog. Yeah. And he had him and he brought him out to show me him. And I loved that he and I was like, I love that you named your cello. He went, No, he came with his name. And there's this whole story about him being a kid, you know, secondhand cello with the kid's name in it. And it was like, Oh my God, I love that so much. <laughs> and that you call him by his name. It's brilliant. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to talk about, well, we will talk about Johnny Goodwood a bit.
1: That's actually a good short film, a call, call me by your name kind of sequel with Johnny <laughs> and his cello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, trying to think what the peach scene would be for that oh, i to come up with a few
1: things are
0: we rolling is this yeah. it oh, I've i am starting here know. yeah all right um let's start can we start at licorice pizza because trying to talk, think about where to start with you with music was kind of quite tricky to be honest because there is so much to talk about because yeah. every film has such a a gorgeous relationship with music and a, a specific relationship to music with music for narrative for character for mood for location, all that kind of thing. And I think with Licorice Pizza, for me, it felt like you, you know, we come in and that kind of first thing we hear is that Nina Simone track, yeah, which we hear the whole track as well, which I love. Yeah. It's almost like a music video. yeah. Did you know how you wanted to film the sound? I mean, did you want it to sound like the San Fernando Valley? What was the kind of...
1: Well, that certainly doesn't sound like the San Fernando <laughs> yeah. Valley. You, but by the way, I think we hear that song like almost two and a half times. Yeah, we loop the middle section. I think twice, Great. so we extend it out. I mean, and it's the
0: remix version. It is the inch. remix version.
1: <laughs> yeah. Luckily, there's a lot of dialogue going on, so you kind of don't notice. Yeah. But she sings, she sings things a few more times than she should. But I mean, when is too much of her? Mm. You know, yeah, it's never enough. True love
2: seed in the autumn ground. Love Seed in the autumn ground When will it be found? True love deep in the winter white snow True love deep in the winter white snow to grow
1: Put my finger on the memory of when that came to me. It didn't come to me. I think it. It. It was. I. Mu- I was. I was pretty far into writing the movie. Maybe even had written it, and a song that I should know, which I didn't know, which I heard, I believe, on the radio, was like, huh. <laughs> I'm so. I just got a gift. Listen to this, you know, and this could really work. The greatest trick there was. For some reason, this feels right, right? It mm-hmm. just feels right in its tone and its texture. It has absolutely nothing to do with the period or with the San Fernando Valley, but it has to do with the story. And then I can see Alana swaying and walking to that rhythm, mm-hmm. right? To that beat. So that I knew was a winner. The challenge was always going to be, is anybody going to be listening to your main character speaking when Nina Simone is singing?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? Because that you only want to listen to her sing. And that really is a challenge. And I think it became a mixed thing. I think you have to allow enough of her to sing that first verse. Yeah. Right. And that, that visually enough happens that you can, you can kind of hand off her singing to the main characters. Yeah. She almost passes the baton to them. She passes it off. Exactly. Baton. You mean baton?
2: God, speak
1: English. Edith. I'm
2: Scottish. No, I know.
1: Come on. I will not do this interview thing. in Scottish. I will only do this interview oh, in, in, do. in English. Oh, please do.
0: But you, I think that's so clever because she she's kind of like, come on. And then you're, you're watching them and you want to know where it goes. You want to know where yeah. their conversation goes.
1: Yeah. I think that's true. And I think there's enough sort of musical passages, you know, without her singing that it can, we sort of mix it in and out. And the beautiful part is that by the end of that opening scene there's um room for Nina Simone to come back through for the final couple lyrics that, that yeah. can kinda of come up on the soundtrack and, and sort of be be more present just like it, it's as it started.
0: This is your home, this area that you're your yeah. film set in. But did you have very clear ideas of specific things <laughs> you wanted to include in it that really highlighted the the, the feeling, the emotion, the era of that, that area at that time? <laughs>
1: Yes and no. I didn't really have a – I didn't have – well, l- look, mm, you know, <laughs> n- nothing – Nothing. Uh, the one thing I'm thinking of is that I'm thinking right now of the Chico Hamilton uh, cue, which I, I had this bet with um, my gaffer, Mike Bauman, <laughs> who we shoot with. Four films now. We've watched dailies. When we watch dailies, we always play music. I've been trying oh, to boy. get in – this Blue Sands by Chico Hamilton and every time by the by the third film by Phantom Thread he was like you're never going to use this song I said I mark my words I'm going to use it of course never used it and then this time he, he said there's no way you're going to use this finally I, I, I want a bet of getting it in the film So I was thinking in, in my mind when you answer that question, like, there is something I have wanted to, and I wanted to use it so I could win a bet. Because <laughs> um, I didn't, I mean, I um, no, I didn't have any, like, I don't know. If I was making a film about when I was this age, would, that would sort of be more the late 70s or early mm-hmm. 80s, and I could probably make a list of 10 songs right now that would that would instantly flash me back there. So I was thinking more along the lines of, well, what's going to be right for the story? Yeah. Not, n- never like it r- reaching to sort of yeah. find. But yeah, as anybody knows, that California radio is very different than most other radio, yeah. you know? And it's better, as everyone knows. <laughs> it's everyone assumes they know. Always it's always
0: been it's, my it's, dream it's, to be um, on Californian radio, maybe one day. It, right?
1: Really? <laughs> yeah. It's something about yeah. it. So great. I know. Yeah.
0: I've done some road trips. I've got... My cousin lives up in Mammoth. Yeah. And so we kind of do the drive up to. We go out every two years and we do that drive through the Mojave up. Yeah. And I just love almost kind of the different... You know, the the, this, the reach of those stations isn't very far. That's right. So every time you kind of leave one, you, you join new. another. And it's I like true. that kind of almost kind of little really you get of the different sounds as you... You move away from this ocean as well.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Into
0: that Sierra Nevada way. It's really interesting.
1: I know. It's like... Yeah, it's something like, it's as if the state and the radio stations e- e- evolved at the same time, hmm. like from primordial ground. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, they've always been here. They've always <laughs> been here. These mountains and this radio station. It, yeah. it is true. They're so uh, intertwined. Yeah. The kind of California radio and that, that thing. It's unlike anything else in the rest of the country, really. There's yeah. something about it in California's magical. But as you know, obviously, the obvious reasons behind that is that obviously we spend so much time it's so big we spend so much time in our cars, mm. a disproportionate amount of time in our cars <laughs> yeah. that that's our the soundtrack you, to our life, yeah, companion, yeah, completely. Yeah.
0: Well, there's there's it's great because when the film there's so many little. Musical kind of moments, whether it be the radio stations that you hear, you know, or the the broadcaster on the radio, or the little clips of music, or when he goes into the restaurant and she shows up for the first time, and I left my heart in San Francisco, it's being played on the piano yeah. in the background, and things like yeah, all these just tiny little moments that just are just there, but right, but yeah, I mean, with well, things like that, what's the kind of choice?
1: well, wait, because you're making me think okay. I didn't, didn't even get your question okay. out because <laughs> this isn't so important, is that because it actually answers your question for so. I Left My Heart in San Francisco is not the most important thing. The most important thing there is, is Johnny Guaranari. Johnny Guaranari was a stride piano player mm-hmm. who played every, I think, Wednesday, maybe Thursday night at Tale of the Cock restaurant, which mm-hmm. is where I, you know, was the fanciest restaurant in Sherman Oaks. Uh, you know, if it was Mother's Day or if it was a special birthday or your grandmother's birthday, you would go to Tale of the Cock. And Tale of the Cock so my, we would go Wednesdays as well because my dad was a my dad loved music jazz music in particular yeah and so Johnny Guarnari performing was this really special thing every Wednesday and I remembered that really well and there's only a couple Johnny Guarnari records out there there's a couple self-published kind of records that we were able to track down and get and those are cool mm-hmm. That song, I mean, that was a kind of like a reality to base something on, like, well, wait a minute, I rem- I have memories of this guy playing piano and playing yeah. it so well. One of my great memories, or, or horrible memories, how much time do we have? Half an hour, of, is great. No, but this, no, no. Is,
0: this is, hopefully this is episode one of, you know, of, of know. many we can do in the future.
1: I think it's this monmouth coffee that's got me, <laughs> <laughs> like, Got me talking too much. There was a scene that we had in the film yeah. and we cut it out and it was based on a memory that I had of one night in Tale of the Cock, this kid who was probably about 11 or 12 years old and I must have been about the same age at the yeah. time, walked up to the piano that Johnny Guarnari was playing and <clears throat> he started noodling around as if he didn't know how to play the piano and then he started playing Chopsticks. Like, dun-dun-dun, you know, yeah. this kind of thing. And everyone was sort of looking and they're like, you know, why are we impressed by this? And then he kind of segued gently out of chopsticks and he started playing um, uh, the entertainer, you know, Scott Joplin. Yeah. Just playing it very slowly, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, <laughs> dun, right? And <clears throat> sooner or later... This kid is playing the entertainer at like 400 miles an hour (laughs) and the entire restaurant is on its feet, you know, exploding that this 12-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid could play the entertainer, let alone play it at 1,000 miles an hour. And I just remember everybody finally sitting down and my dad looking over being so disappointed. (laughs) You see? Now that kid really took his piano lessons.
0: Oh my god! It's just a flashback of the various moments of disappointment with my own parents. Of kind of when they see another kid, it's just like, <laughs> oh, With with the asks of Johnny, there was much to ask of him in this film. There was there was only a few sort of little bits here and there. Is there? There's a beautiful piece of music when he asks for, he asks for her phone number. That's little Johnny Q, isn't it?
1: That's Johnny. It's so
0: delicious yeah. and hopeful. Yeah,
1: it was hard to wrap my mind around getting the courage to say to tell Johnny that I didn't really need that much from him but it was good because well it's supposed to be a hopeful movie it didn't need his m- sad <laughs> <laughs> misery yeah. all over it right so
0: i ironic that his new project with Tom's called The Smile Band it's yeah. kind of like what That's rich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it has this little, think... it has such a be- it, it it kind of you're hoping for them through the music almost in a way.
1: For sure. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, joking aside, I mean, he can, he, he whatever the assignment is, he can do it. And there's a hopefulness, but a little bit of caution. And the idea, the only idea that I went to him was I said, I need a little bit of something at the very beginning. And then I needed to repeat and get bigger at the end, yeah. you know, but it has to be simple enough, hopefully. That it's recognized with all this cacophony of different music that we're going to have to recall something that was two hours ago. Yeah, it would be nice in a couple notes that you 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 can remember two hours ago, right? And so that was just the harp, that simple kind of harp line that he came up with. Mm. It seemed like well, we're not hearing harp anywhere else in the film, which will help, and hopefully this kind of instantly gets you back to that first. You know, it's a very similar shot as well. I think Mm. Alana's walking away. They were walking forward, so the camera's pulling back. So you can kind of echo those two things. Yeah. Yeah, that was the assignment.
0: I wanted to ask about um, I couldn't work out what it was whether it was an existing piece of music or it was a is when the convention it's this sonic kind of like overdose of things that you remember like even the sound of the Batmobile as they walk in something yeah. and it's like Oh my God, you're instantly kind of transported to being a kid and watching that on TV. And yeah. And then John C. Riley when he goes, I'm not the real Herman Monster. <laughs> and then, and then but this music that's playing in the background, which really reminds me of the Jungle Book.
1: That's the Chico Hamilton song that, that i Is that the talking Chico about?
0: you were talking about? Because it's yeah. got it's got that kind of um confide in me moment from um jungle book
1: sort of vibe uh-huh. to it. Sort of yeah.
0: thing. Oh, I didn't oh, that's what that is. Okay.
1: That's what that is. So Chico oh, Hamilton. Amazing. Yes. Who I Chico Hamilton came to my attention because Chico Hamilton and his quintet are a big part of the music of Sweet Smell of Success, great film. Elmer Bernstein did the score for that, but Chico Hamilton's band is actually in it. Oh, wow. And I loved that film so much. And I sort of, I became, so that turned me on to them in a big way. We used one of their songs called The Sage in Boogie Nights Mm -hmm. Um, early on. It was just a great cello piece. beautiful fred Katz was a part of that band and um so this that they yeah, have that just a loop over and over again there's actually a great version have you ever seen jazz on a summer's day no beautiful concert film there's a great live version of jazz jo- uh, of that in jazz on a summer's day that's oh that's Here's my day sorted
0: <laughs> uh, i mean really mahalia
1: jackson doing the lord's prayer and that i oh, mean wow. that's a win i that's a winner okay jazz on a summer's day
0: when does music start coming into the thought process for is every film different? You know, do you do you write to music? Do you have an idea of how you want a film to sound musically? Because every film definitely has its own journey with music, you know. Prior to Chant Johnny, I watched, you know, There Will Be Blood Again and mm. it's just such an incredible relationship between the film, the story, the characters and the music, you know? Yeah. Even that opening piece of when the landscape comes back and we kind of see and you're kinda of like yeah. And then the choice not to use music at certain points as well when he's seen, puts his son on the train and yes. the easy option would have been to put music in there, but you didn't and it makes it even more powerful.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: But um but what's your is every film different in terms of when you're thinking about music and when you think
1: about well, music? Well, they're only different and that they're different stories and there's yeah. different approaches. But it does feel I, I my instinct is to say no, they're are all yeah, it's all kind of the same because you're all think thinking I guess the difference would be like if I'm doing something maybe with, with Johnny, I have this sense that m- music should happen here and music that should be up, or music that has a little propulsion or rhythm yeah. or there's something, opportunity here for something that's kind of more liquidy or, yeah. or un- less clear. But I don't know what that sounds like and I don't have it in front of me until he gives it to me so that you're kind of operating a- a- a with a little bit of your m- imagination or voices in your own head. Mm. But it's something else when you're doing a film of pre-existing music already. You can really kind of map out a feeling, yeah, in a simple playlist. You say, okay, I can kind of really hear this. I can see how this flows, and that's really fun. But I mean, the, but also, you know, like uh, after a while, but, you know, you get demos and things from Johnny. It doesn't. The mystery can kind of it goes away in mm. a good way, you know, and you're 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 working with and you're shooting to enough material, yeah. That you can, even if it's just a simple loop of something for thirty seconds, you know it'll get it'll get larger as you as you keep working yeah. on it. Yeah, but in that way, it's always kind of it's a, this the same and fumbling yeah. around and you know it's feeling purpose. it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Magnolia
0: will always be one of my favorite films ever. I mean, I just love any opportunity to go and re-watch that film, and the voice of Amy Mann and that within mm-hmm. that film and stuff is so. Um, It's like a character in it, you Mm -hmm. know, in a way sort of thing. What was the kind of choice of that and the decision behind that being, you know, I mean, John Bryan working on it as well.
1: But I always liked that. I always liked, I mean, I guess you think of The Graduate as an example. Harold and Maud. Harold and Maud, you know, kind of a singular voice. I mean, honestly, not that many years before Elliot Smith had done stuff for Goodwill Hunting. It's a little bit different, but you know, yeah, but a kind of single voice that belonged to a film was always like, I always liked that. And I had a pretty tight relationship with Amy at that time. So, I had all this sort of music. Yeah. And that really just was a very organic kind of thing that ended up happening and working quite well to everybody's advantage, you know, there was Mm. sometimes quite... Well, I was going to say it's quite hard to know which came first, but I do know which came first. So sort of a lot more of her music came first than the story. But the stories were sitting around yeah. waiting for some trigger.
2: Yeah. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one month.
0: Do you write with music do you have kind of playlists that you
1: yeah I think most people I don't wonder what it, you must you've had so many people on the show I wonder what the percentages of people most people say yes most
0: probably. people say yes with regards to to write but but different different ways and that they'll almost kind of try and some people will will have things on that are instrumental that are completely removed from what they're trying to write yeah or who they're trying to write, <clears throat> and then the opposite of that or people will make specific playlists for characters too
1: yeah, I think as I, I think i I think it's a kind of gift not to be misused or overused mm. and what I mean by that is that there's some scenes in a movie you have to write w- when it's quiet
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you know yeah
1: I don't know. I feel like you could write a scene, listening to music real loud alone in your room, and <laughs> probably end up half writing a scene or half thinking about it or being distracted or swept away by whatever the music is probably doing to you when in fact, you you know, you have to think about it, what the soundtrack is to those characters in real life, yeah. which is the just whatever words they're saying or yeah. whatever sounds from outside are happening. So sometimes you have to be careful to do that. Make sure that you take the time to do that. It's also kind of your, whatever your work habits are really. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and the last thing you want to do is is hear anything. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you wake up in the morning and you just de- you you have a song that's pumping through your head and you need to hear it. Or at its best, you have at its most fun is that you have research to do to a certain time, mm-hmm. and it's going to find it's going to take you to listen to things that you've never heard before. Or you're you know that's really great. Yeah, that's just uh, that's just. It's just an excuse. To,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. it's one of the perks of the you job. Know? You're like, <laughs> yeah.
1: "Do not disturb. I'm working. I'm trying. You know, like, what are you doing in there? Like, I'm listening to music, trying to find some shit I've never heard before, and I'm getting paid for
0: it. <laughs> Winning <laughs> <Yeah>. at life. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the um, I was listening as well to the um, to the score for Punch Drunk Love this morning coming in, and uh, mm. oh, it was lovely too to be kind of reminded of that and you immediately kind of think of those those moments in the film and that really clever thing of of having this sort of main theme that is kind of reconstructed different with different musicalities to it, you know, whether it's the sort of French chateau version or the Yeah it's the kind of harpsichordy type piano thing as well, sort of
1: Harmon- har- harmonium. Yeah, there's a yeah.
0: But it's so clever. And um, what do you remember about that film? I mean, I love that film as well.
1: Well, I remember having um so many built in um, musical opportunities in other words, there was this it, part of the story was this harmonium and this kind of melody line that Adam was gonna play, so everything was gonna come around that that you would have this doo doo do doo do five note you know mm-hmm. melody, and that was gonna be this kind of main piece of it. You know, I have gone on record so many times of just loving musicals. And at the time, you know, anything George Gershwin was interesting, anything Cole Porter was interesting. Those kind of classic kind of American scores. And that felt like what what a romance movie should Mm -hmm. have, you know, anything that was like that. What you find out later about a lot of those songs is that a lot of them were written so simply because like Fred Astaire couldn't really sing. Mm Mm-hmm apparently so he had a very limited range yeah so they would keep everything kind of right in this limited
0: almost sing speak in a way wasn't
1: it yeah exactly by the beat 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 of the tom 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 (laughs) you know like that's as, as much as he could do yeah night and day you know i can't yeah. say it's so humiliating so you're going to cut that part out right you know it's like karaoke
0: with Paul, i love it
1: <laughs> but so that that a lot of the kind of opportunities for for the music were just having to the limitations, it, the limitations of, of his ability to sing so thank god i mean we're all the better for it it's beautiful music yeah. to me but anyway so that was that's what that and then also having it, he needs me the harry nelson thing yeah. in, in the middle of it you know with shelly duvall and yeah, it's great. It's so
2: great. And, um-
0: That love of that type of music and and that kind of period kind of almost kind of carries through to Phantom Thread in a way as well and how romantic and beautiful that score that Johnny created for for Phantom Thread was.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that was to look back at it and I mean, maybe he'll admit it, but it was like, I like Henry Mancini music, but Johnny's not going to really listen to Henry Mancini music unless I put it in front of him and Mm -hmm. say, come on, put some more Henry Mancini into it. (laughs) so somewhere that combination of my love of that kind of lush orchestral music which is not really maybe his favorite thing in the world mixed in with what he does so well just ended up being phew, something Okay, I know yeah I still um, I can't believe I, I that's music from a movie that I made it's 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 still I think that music that he made for that movie is going to last forever yeah. it's crazy yeah. how, how good it
0: yeah, is yeah I absolutely agree One quick thing that I wanted to mention as well, which I love, and I love, what I love about whenever I read interviews with you is just how how much you love film. You know, it's not about you're into a type of film. You really embrace and celebrate all types of film, and I love that. And I'm a massive Adam Sandler fan, Mm. and I was so... Happy when um, when you said Big Daddy sealed the deal for you on mm-hmm. Adam Sandler because I love that film Scroobie Steve and you know and, and I remember one of the first times I went to New York after that I did a kind of Big Daddy like kind of tour tour of like when he pissed against the wall yeah. outside the restaurant yeah. and all that kind of yeah. stuff and I was just kind of like man I love the fact that it's kind of you know you you just you celebrate film whatever whatever it is it's not about it having to be you know independent you know film it's about celebrating. Performances, storytelling, all that kind of thing, which I think is brilliant and quite unique, I think as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe, may yeah. I, th- I mean, thank you. I hope so. I mean, I like what I like, I guess. And it's like if it gets me going, it gets me going. Mm-hmm. I don't have any. So, and it's too. It would be too hard to be snobby because you just get it where you, you get it. Anything where you can, you know, you come across something that maybe you have a snobbiness. You think, well, what's all? What's all this? And then you can, your eyes can get open to something great. So I don't know, I always try to sort of be open but, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I do enough time rolling my eyes sometimes, too. So <laughs> like, what, is, what is happening? <laughs> you
0: know? I love how much as well you've loved some of the films from this year as well that have come out, as, as well as your own um, Worst Person in the World being one of them.
1: Yeah. Wow. What a soundtrack, too. Oh, huh? my
0: God, yeah. I was listening to – so it's, it's it's an existing music, isn't it? Yes. Like And there was one track I was listening to on repeat last week. I can't remember what it's called now, which is slightly annoying, but it's just this beautiful piano piece, really simple.
1: There's so many... Um, I'm going to have a look. See what it yeah, take a look, because that's. let's use our cheating devices to, exactly. to see. There's so many pieces of music. I mean, the Todd Rundgren I had heard before, but not in a million years, and that was great, An incredible use of that in the film. A Harry Nilsson song he uses as well which one are you thinking of
0: it's it's the, it's the is he like an Icelandic um...
1: yeah see there's lots of that kind of stuff that, that was so not on my radar that... yeah
0: me too and, and it's been around for ages mm-hmm. um, and I didn't Otto or yeah Solar Otto or Totland this What's
1: one which one yeah yeah yeah
0: literally like floored me like really stopped me in my tracks i think i listened to it 25 times on repeat
1: yeah that's been on that's been in the car on the way to to school every morning in my in my house my my it's good mood setter it's great it's going you can you can either if it if it goes down a little too much (laughs) skip to the next one and bring you up it's got a really nice variety in there but yeah my 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 daughter and i have been listening to that one on repeat
0: yeah and you mentioned titan as well the julia docker new film which is mental and i've never felt so physically affected by a film and kind of scared and not really sure how to talk about did it did you
1: see it in the theater
0: i saw it in the theater and then i spoke to her actually about it she was amazing
1: yeah she sure is she's exciting. i don't i don't know how to speak about that film either <laughs> yeah. uh, so i just try to sort of sidestep conversations yeah. about it just and watch I... it it's why i say to people well, the thing <laughs> I remember thinking, I was kind of one of the first films I was able to go back to a theater and see. And I was very happy that I saw it in a theater mm-hmm. because, uh, because as much as I look, we can talk about how supportive I am of films. It's like, I, 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 kn- I know myself that I might have, I might have blinked if I w- was watching that film at home and yeah. I might have said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do this right now. Yeah. You know, fair enough. But in a theater, I had to sit there, I had to take it. Mm-hmm. Like a man, you know, like like <laughs> come on. Yeah. And I and I was better for it, you know, once you kind of work through the things that she's putting out mm-hmm. there. And I guess that's one of the great joys uh that I still get from seeing a movie is the inability to speak about it is a lot more exciting to me than <laughs> <laughs> fucking piss off. Is um is the uh, I don't know.
0: The cinema. I, it's the point of cinema I, I, as well as a as a as a one of the many things that highlights how important the cinema as a building and a place is. Well, sure, theater to go and watch because like, it takes I, you somewhere else. That watching something at home, you're kind of like
1: it's a cop out, in a way. It is a cop out, but it's also I don't know. I think I liked what I liked about that movie. I, you said it initially, and it's was just like bears repeating. It's like that inability to speak about something mm. makes it mysterious. And it's, 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 it's like, I don't know. It's like, are we going to sit? You want to have a conversation about 2001? I don't. I don't want to have to t- try to describe of the feelings that I get from it. Yeah. Because it's too many words. It's a waste <laughs> of time. It's like, I felt it. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. I'm yep. one of those people that would prefer, certainly with many films that I really enjoy, to not talk about them. Yeah. Or, or just be like, you know it's enough to say like yeah it's fucking great you should see it <laughs> yeah. like, just sometimes it that's back. enough yeah
0: and <laughs> <laughs> um, we've run out of time but, no, I, I,
1: uh... but
0: i hope this is um the first of many that we can we can do because there's so much more we could talk about i had to list the length of my arms what Without didn't Boy. we get to boogie nights okay we talked a little bit about magnolia i mean yeah. there's i mean we didn't really get into much about phantom thread really or yeah blood, so there has to be a revisit part two i hope
1: yeah um, and yeah. maybe
0: when you come back to pick up all those awards you're going to win we <laughs> <you> can uh <laughs> we can get another one <laughs> I'm so happy for you this film's just connected though on that level it's so deserving yeah the sc- you know every- from the director but also for the screenplay as well. this is a great story
1: yeah thank it's you it's
0: such a great story yeah
1: thank you um, thank you. Thanks
0: Paul. Are you kidding? Thank you so much. Anytime. Thank you. Yeah, thanks you. track to Boogie Nights that's Machine Gun by the Commodores which features in one of my very favourite scenes um, and producer Ben's and rounds off our latest episode with Paul Thomas Anderson I've set myself a challenge to try and reenact the dance on my TikTok channel so check it out and see if I've managed to do that my huge thanks to Paul for taking the time to talk to us um, it was a genuine delight to get to sit and talk to him and I could have done that for absolute hours. He is so in demand and he didn't have to give us his time and he did so generously, so I am so grateful for that. So yeah, thank you, Paul. Uh, Licorice Pizza is still available to watch in cinemas, so go get yourself long a showing on the big screen if you can and just relish in Paul's world and also the brilliant performances of Alana Um, And also young Mr. Hoffman, um, Cooper Hoffman, who, oh, please just continue this journey, Cooper, because you are mesmerizing to watch. Um, Head to edithbowman.com to catch up with all of our previous episodes, including my chat with the aforementioned Johnny Greenwood. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We are at Soundtracking UK. As I said, Craig Roberts is coming up in a couple of weeks. But next week, uh, we have the fantastic talents of Domei Shi and Lindsay Collins, who are the director and producer of the new Pixar film, Turning Red, which I think is one of the best Pixar films in many many years it's been scored by Ludwig Göransson, and I'm very excited to have Domi and Lindsay on the show next week I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then